So we're talking last week about in Shmuelif Perkezayim. We're talking about Kodesh. We're talking about Kodesh's career as having been a long-standing warrior against the Jewish people. And the question is, if Kodesh wasn't new to the battlefield and he had fought in all the battles previously, why does he only come now to make the change? Why didn't he come earlier? Uh, it's not like he wasn't around earlier. In Siddhartha now, he he comes here to offer the personal combat to fight, and he only offers to fight Shalom the king. So what's the reason for that? So I saw them approach from a very interesting explanation. And they say that we know that the non-Jewish nations at the time of Tanakh understood how uh, the Koychus and the Mazalus worked. That was why they said the Vajrasara, but they had a knowledge of how these, these things worked. We see that, for example, it says about Amalek when he came to fight Kali Yisrael, so he tried to work out when I'll feed the Mazal or feed whatever it was, that was the most uh, appropriate time for him to fight in Bahaman. And it's only by lots of the other Jewish armies that used to work with Nikosh, they used to work with other ways of trying to divine what would be uh, the most effective time to fight. And if that's the case, until now, Goliath didn't want to fight because if he was going to offer to fight personal combat against Shaul, he could sense that Shaul until now was going to win. Shaul had the Ruach Hashem on him, as he wasn't going to attack Shaul. But now that Shaul lost the Ruach Hashem, and Goliath, for whatever reason, could feel that as well. That Shaul wasn't uh, being protected like he was before. So that's why Goliath feels much more confident now to challenge Shaul. When he feels that spiritually, he'll, he'll have the upper hand. Uh, that's one interesting thing about Goliath. And then again, this goes back to our general picture of Goliath. So on the one hand, a lot of providers, he's so strong, he's going to challenge me. On the other hand, there was a certain hesita- hesitation as well. And that is, he wasn't so convinced he was going to win. He was waiting for the time when he felt would be the most appropriate time. One last thing, which I saw in the Mishpat itself, it's a Pirish in the Nach. Um, he borrowed from one of the Kadwanim, but an unbelievable Kiddush. Uh, he says that the Midrash says that there were two Gibayim, there were two strong people Hashem created. One for Israel and one for Umas. The one in the Kai Israel was Shimshan, and the one for Umas was Gadias. And he brings there an amazing idea. And he says that we know that after Shimshan was captured by the Pishtim, it says that they put him into jail. And he was taken the base of Asuri, which literally means that uh, he was put to hard work by grinding wheat the whole time. Uh, the millstones was a way to kill weaken him in the base of Asuri. The Chazal said on that, what the Apostle is referring to is that all the Pishni ladies thought, well, they want a son who's going to be strong like Shimshan, so they brought their wives to him to be with them in the base of Asuri with the hope that uh, the child would be strong like Shimshan. Obviously, in the Pishti society, strength was a, a very sought-after quality and was something that he's respected for. And it brings it from one like Advanim that one of the many men that Arpa, um, Shimshon's mother, had been with, I mean, his mother had been with Shimshon. And that's where Batim spiritually got his strength from, which is a very fascinating idea. Either way around, that's, uh, that's what we know about. Shimshon? Before that was that he was in uh, married Christian ladies. 
Yeah, but then afterwards, his Einish was that he was forced to be with him in, in the base of Assyria. Okay, so that just goes a bit more into the background of Bernas. Yes. Thank you. Okay, so the Pasuk now shifts back to David and Melech. The Pasuk is based with David ben Ishefrasi Hazer, with Beslechem Yehuda. And David was the son of this Ephrasi from Beslechem, Ushma Yeshai. His name was Yeshai, Velo Ishma Yelabani. He had eight sons. And the time of Shmuel Yishai was already an elderly man. Now we already have met Yishai. We know that he, we know Yishai, we know that he has um, eight sons. We know he's from Bethlehem. Why is the apostle going back to tell us the history of the family history of David? When this is all told to us in the previous parrot, when Shmuel came with Shmuel, um, came to anoint him. So it says he went to Bethlehem, he went to Yeshai. There also talks about Yeshai as being um, somebody who was old and respected. And uh, there also talks about all his sons. So what's, what's, what's the Pasuk adding over here? So one thing is it calls him an Ephrasi. What's the idea of an Ephrasi? We found it other times in the Nach as well. It's over right at the beginning of Shmuel. Uh, Elkanah, the father of Shmuel, is also called an Ephrasi. What is the title of Rasi? So, those who say it means some kind of a dignitary, a nobleman, a dignitary, like somebody of Hashivas, someone of rank, and if that's the case, then they would apply to both of them. Um, the those, like Rashi here, it says Rasi is from Russian Ephras, which is a place. Um, it says by Beslechem, when Yaakov buried, probably the Hebrew Derech Ephras, that Beslechem was a stop on the way to Ephrat. And therefore, first he was from, from the area of Ephrat. So we're going to say really that Bethlehem was the, the village, the town, and was in the area, the district of Ephrat. So he was called an Ephrasi. This wouldn't work for Elkanah. Elkanah was from Harifrain. Like it says, we're in time safe in Harifrain. That's the second peerage for the word Ephrasi. Um, in which case, it's not really adding anything to the possible. He was from a person from the area of Ephrat from the place of Bezlechem. It's just more just defining the place it was from. But there's another interesting chat um, on the word Ephrasi, which Mephoshim say, and it really leads us to a very famous question, um, which is hard to answer, but I'll tell you the question. And there's attempted answers of the Akhrenim, there isn't really a good answer. And that is like this. Ephrasi means from the family of Miriam. Miriam and Debrayam, the sister of Moshe. Miriam and Adir had a second name, she was called Ephras. And uh, therefore, Ephrasi means from the children of Miriam. And why would Yeshua be called from the children of Miriam? Because we know that Miriam has her schus at bringing, looking after the Jewish babies. So it says, Ayitav Hashem Nami Yaldis, Vyaslam Botim. That Hashem was good to the midwives, and he made them houses, and what Rashi tells us is the Chazal, that he made them houses of Kohana and houses of Malchus, which means Yechevet, the mother of Aaron was the one who was the house became the house of the Gohana. And Miriam's house became the house of the Malchus. Why? Because that Miriam married Kalev from Shevet Yehuda. And therefore that was the the progenitor, so to speak, the beginning of the family of the Malchus. Now, that's well known and therefore if Rossi over here would mean that Yeshai being a Benachaben of the royal branch of Yehuda was better from the family of Miriam. Which I'm sure recall when Fashim say would call him Nefrasi. That's Chazal, it's Rashi, it's Nefashim, they put all those things together. And the famous question is, it doesn't work. 
Because if you look at the genealogy of David and Melech, which is probably the end of the Gilles so it tells us, generation by generation, from Paris to Chetzron, to Ram, to Aminadav, to Nachshon, to Salman, to Boaz, to Ayvet, uh, to Yishai, to David. Kalev doesn't feature at all. So maybe Kalev is from Shevet Yehuda, but Kalev wasn't from the land of the Melecha. The land of the Melecha went through Kalev's brother, his name is Ram. It doesn't go through Kalev. His name was? Ram. And if that's the case, where exactly does uh, Miriam get, uh, become the mother of the Malchus? It's a kash on the Gemara. It's a well-known kash. And the Mephoshim asked the kash, and they never answer. There are lots of suggested ideas, and Mephoshim already tries and others as well. It's a, it's a very difficult kash to answer, because you can't argue with the Pesukim. And the Pesukim tells us the family tree of David, and the tells the family tree of Kalev, and they don't meet. They might have been both from Shevet Yura, but the Mephoshim said they don't... Uh, they don't, uh, we don't see anywhere that Kalev was in, in any way an ancestor of David and Melech. What, what are some of the suggestions? Yes. The Mahashah suggests, on the Gemara, he asked the Gashah, and the Mahashah suggests that it could be that somewhere lower down the line, one of the wives of the, those descendants who, of the Shevet Tamiloch married the daughter of Kalev and, and, uh, and Miriam. Or one of the sons. We know the sons of the men. The, the, the line of the men is, is my first and the first. Maybe one of them, their wife, was from the, from Miriam's family, in which case she was via her daughter, or her granddaughter, or great-granddaughter, uh, still considered a, a ancestor of the Malchus. It's a de- very difficult answer to say, because when the Torah talks about ancestry, the mother's land doesn't really make such a difference. So you're not going to know that. Else there would be a reason to call it Randy because normally... Uh, the title goes by, as you know, the base of it's not the mothers and family. So that's, uh, that's one attempted answer. The attempted by the Akharinim is, well, the Master, just like we found in one direction, that Kalev bin Yifuna and Asnil bin Knaz are brothers, uh, and because they're half brothers, or because uh, one of them died young and the other one brought up his brother's children, and therefore it's Nicholas al so maybe somewhere along the line, one of them died young and they were brought up by Miriam's family as Nicholas Al-Shmoy. It's a very deicha concept. It's not hurt. children. So it's, it's, a, it's a question, it's a question, like I said, all the Mephoshim. Ask on the Gemara. It doesn't work with the Psukim. And uh, it, we have as a question, I'm just bringing it up here, because if Yishai's title was a prophecy for Miriam, then you have the same part question right here in the Basak. Exactly how was Yishai, I mean, was Yishai a connected to Miriam? Okay, so what happens? So we ask him what's the background of the Apostle telling us that Yishai was from Beslechem, he had eight sons, he was really an older man. And uh, the Malbim explains it, that it's a really introduction for the Apostle which is coming. And that is, it says, So when the Jewish army gathers to fight, so the three oldest sons of Yishai go to fight. And that's why the Apostle beforehand is explaining to us why Yishai himself wasn't at the battle, because he was already Zakin Baba and Ashi was too old. And why David wasn't at the battle, because they already sent the older brothers. And David was the younger brother, and therefore he stayed behind. Those are David's oldest three brothers. They were the ones who went to war, obviously considered the Kibarim of the family. Whereas the David was Hakotin, David is the youngest brother. So he didn't go to war. The three other brothers joined Shaul in battle, and David, the youngest one, um, stayed behind. 
Now, when that happens, and Shaul joins the battlefield, so he, even though originally David was his nurse Akadim, it's very interesting. He now sends David home. He doesn't need, he, now he's not in his palace, he doesn't need David's music. So he goes to the war and he sends David home. And that's what it says. The next was with David Hoylech Bashav Mel. Shaul David returns home from Shaul. There is his son Abi Beslech. He goes back to being the shepherd. He goes like looking after the sheep. Being repetitive, twice, following mm-hmm. it's a big that. So it says that they followed Shaul because Yishai's family knew that David was going to be appointed the king. Not only that, they'd watched it. No one else in Tayyip Shaul knew, but they did. And therefore, it's a lot of them that they were still loyal to Shaul. Because they could have thought, listen, Shaul's days are numbered. There's no reason for us to be obedient to him or to follow him into battle. And nevertheless, even though they knew that Charles' kingship was over and David had been anointed, it didn't change their loyalty. They still sent three sons to follow Charles, loyal into battle, because he was still in charge. Yeah, which is what the Navi pointed out. It's not a that point. Now, so David goes back to being the, looking after his father's sheep um, in Beis Lechem. For 40 days, Every morning and every night, God just comes and he makes his threat, he makes his challenge, and no one in the classroom wants to answer him. It says, Hashkem Harif, like we said last time, that God's intention was to to interfere with the Jewish people's bitachon, uh, their muna, and that's why he used to time his uh, daily threat with David Shulesra, the morning or saying Shema, the morning and the night. And that way, number they couldn't answer him back. And number two, they would disturb the Dabini to hear his, uh, his threats the whole time. Why was it for 40 days? So the number of Chazals which talk about what source uh, the Arfa, the uh, goddess mother, would have had for 40, uh, for 40 that as a result, her son's like, Lamlach, like power, was lasted 40 days. For those who say that she walked 40 steps after Nomi, uh, when she followed her out, it's 40 steps. Or it says by that they took the Shukista goodbye and she cried, she cried 40 tears, whatever it was. There was something good about Arpa or Fati, and that's why Goddess was given, so to speak, the ability to to shine and or to be show off his power for 40 days. Now, the Jewish army has nothing to do. No one wants to fight with Goddess, and therefore a state is developed where uh, they're there, but no one's willing to, to go forward and to fight. Why did they just send the whole army? Why did they just go send the whole army? The Fishman had a whole army too. Yeah, but they had just defeated them like three months before that. That was a nice. So they didn't want to rely on that again? Yes, that was a nice. They, they, they didn't definitely think that they were stronger than that. Mm-hmm. And also, there was something else. Shaul was scared. So he definitely wasn't going to lead them into battle. Okay, now, in the meantime, back home in Beslechem. So Yeshua tells David, Please take your brothers to win the battlefield. Uh, an Eifa, which is a big measure of Kali, Kali is a wheat flour which has been roasted. And these ten loaves of bread. Run to where your brothers are in the camp, in the battle camp. And these ten Kharitsi Kharav is really kinds of cheeses, Shabbat of milk. So these ten um, cheese. Jesus said, "Form Bring to the general of the army. Um, what was the 
what was the point of that? You understand, he took bread, he took food to his son, brothers, uh, we were in the army, but what was the idea of bringing the Kharitsi uh, Akharov to the Sara Elef, to the general of the army? Um, which uh, the, doesn't tell us what his reasoning was. And Rashi brings the Khazar, and that is the Sara Elef was Yanisan. And therefore, the idea was to give it to Yanisan. And then also, you have to understand what was Yishai's cash to Yanisan. We'll see that too. And uh, check your brothers are, you know, check on them that they're okay, that they're Bishalim. And an Aruba, which is a mashkan, take, the, take a mashkan from them. What's the mashkan that you want from them? So this the Gemara famously says that the Minag in those days was any soldier who went to war would write a gate for their wife. And the reason for that was that if they disappear in battle or we can't verify what happened to them, they wouldn't leave their wives as Naguna. They would, have, they would have given a get on condition. And that is, if I don't come back by this and this time or by this and this date, then this get should be valid. And that way, there wouldn't be a possibility of ladies getting stuck in a position of not knowing where their husbands were after a battle and not being able to remarry. And that's why the, the Gemara explains the word Arabasan, which means something which is going to take away or interfere with the closeness of the marriage between them and their wives, which means they get. And the point of that was, was that it was a security, which was also called the Arubah, which is a national security. So that was, so now what was Yishai's primary reason in sending David to the war? We see three things. Number one, he wanted to send food to his sons over there. Uh, number two, he wanted to check that they were okay. And number three, he wanted them to uh, just in case to give uh, to write Gitan for their wives, they shouldn't get stuck afterwards. Now it's interesting because the the war hadn't begun yet. The war hadn't begun yet. So Kenra Yisrael was preparing ahead that in case when the battle begins, he wants to be prepared. What was the idea of sending the Kharitsi Akhalov to the general to or she explains it to Yerusalem? In other words, why would the wives be necessary? So there are two different answers given. One answer is, this was uh, an old Jewish trick, the Arisic from the time of Yisrael, and that is, if you want the general to give special treatment to, to your kids, so you got to give them something. It's like you give the Rebbe Hanukkah present. You know, that's why you want them to go out to your younger in the Chayda, so you have to, you have to give them the Chayda uh, up front. And uh, he says exactly the same thing. And our bag brings it, that uh, is what he wanted the general to go after his three sons in the battle, so he said, so you have to give him a nice gift, and that way he'll be more uh, willing to look after to look after my sons. So that, that was the idea about the Zemafarshim. I said that was the Kharaf. The other idea which is brought in the Mafarshim is that, remember, Yishai knew that David had been in Shul's palace. Yishai wanted, so obviously, Yishai knew that David was going to be the king. Yishai wanted David to, Yishai wanted David to meet the general. Why? Because this was something critically important. And actually, it provided David with no end of trouble later. And that is, his chief opponent later on was Shaul's general, Avner. Was Shaul's general. Shaul's general. When Shaul himself wasn't able to do anything, Avner was the one who was the one who pushed Shaul to fight with David. He was the one who pushed Ishbosheth onto the throne to to combat even after Shaul died. And therefore, Yishai, being a, I don't know words, a street politician or a big chacham, understood that if David's going to be a king, you have to appease the general because he's the one who's likely to oppose David becoming the king. And that's why the idea of t- sending David to take these things to the general was a way for David to meet the general and get on good terms. 
Now, the mind if the general happened to be happened to be Yenison, like Rashi brings, it worked wonderfully. Yenison became David's best friend. Shal had a second general after Avner, which David didn't get on with, but we'll still talk about that later in the Nach. Either or whatever Yishra's plan was, that's what he sends David to do. Vishal, Vahema, Vachal Yishisrael, Vahema Kaira, as I said before, Vachomim of Pishtim. They fight him with the Pishtim, and that's a little bit complicated because we had, so they weren't really fighting with the Pishtim, the war hadn't begun. And what it means is that they were preparing the fight with the Pishtim. They were like forming, getting into formation, and they were practicing their maneuvers. It was like a build up towards the battle. Okay? Could be that there were skirmishes? It could be also. We don't, you know, I'm saying that, but it could be that there was like, like many scaffolds going on in different parts of the camp also. Either way around. That was the matter of where the shawl was. Again, there's nothing new to that because we already told from the beginning of the parrot that Shal and Kalisha Shal were in Amakaida. And that's where David goes. Vayashkim David Vaboyker, Vayidish is at Sayyid al Shaymeh. David gets up in the morning, he leaves his sheep with someone else to watch them. Vayisa, he takes all the things, Vayelech, Vashet Tivo Yishai, Vayavay Hamagola. Because he comes to the Magadah's area around where the camp was. Um, and uh, it was like uh, the guards who were protecting the camp around the camp, which David gets to. And uh, the Chayel of the soldiers uh, went out to the, the battlefield. And on the way out, they were able to And they were to shout to. The sheriff's it was the trumpets of the battle. So David comes just to see the battle beginning to take place. Like everyone's marching at the battle from the camp where they are. But Tarek Israel Pishtim Maharacha the Kras Maracha. So the Pishtim and Israel both line up, each army against the other army, and the the, the battle is about to begin at that stage. Now, so David throws down all the things he's holding, the food and everything. Obviously, again, on the outside of the camp, so the guards were. So some of the guards, their jobs were to watch the weapons, or to watch the games, and David leaves everything with him. He runs into the, into the battlefield where all the soldiers are preparing to fight. And he comes to check, his brothers are okay, that's what Yeshua sent him to do. So now they aren't just laying in the camp, now they actually marched out to fight, he wants to check they're okay. And when that happens, when Dad Rimon, he was speaking to them, and while he's speaking to them, so the central soldier of the Pishtim, he said what he said every single day. He came back and made the same challenge again. David. David, yes. And all the other Jews who heard Goliath's threats and exclaims, so they all run back again. So from being in the position where they're about to fight, the Goliath comes and, th- and, and challenges them, so they all just spread and they all run back to where they were before, to the camp. And so the Jews all said to each other, If you see this person who just got up in the camp, he came to insult to Israel. Obviously, Saul uh, had to try and bolster the morale of the soldiers. So the opposite is, he says, I'll make him very wealthy, and I'll give him my daughter in marriage, and his whole family will be free from any duties to the king. 
So that was Kido and attempt to try and convince uh, one of the soldiers to fight Gagas. And you see, no one wanted to do it. All the Jews, all the Jewish soldiers were too scared. And they, they even said between themselves of the promised reward for everyone to fight. But there wasn't enough to convince any of them to, to take on the challenge to go forward. Why is it better for someone to say that he's just going to marry his daughter off to whoever does it? Um, so the Gemara says it was the Gemara says it was a mistake. The Gemara says three people made promises which were rash promises, and uh, two of them Hashem helped one and Hashem didn't. The Gemara says the Gemara says Eliezer did that, and he said whoever fills the water I'll marry it to Yitzchak. Maybe she'll be blind. Maybe it'll be a Balmo. Shmuel said whoever fights the Kodesh I'll give him my daughter. And it'll be a Mamzer or an Evet. And Yiftach said whoever comes out of my house will become a carbon. And end up being his daughter. And the Gemara says the three of them, Hashem helped, that Eliezer met Rivka and uh, Shaul when he found David. And when it came to Yiftach, so they ended tragically. So definitely it wasn't something advisable to do, because that's what Chazal said. You said, ask Shalai Kahagan. It was an inappropriate thing to ask. Um, if you're in the topic, so why did he do it? Why did he do it? And why was he, why, if, even though the request was inappropriate, uh, was he answered positively? So we explained at the time, we explained the Kamar. The answer is because Shaul knew that someone who's going to do this needs to have a Bishmai. And if that's the case, then he understood. Then the person Hashem is going to send will be someone who deserves to marry my daughter. It's not going to be the average soldier who also has to be a big, strong guy and he says, okay, I'm going to take on God, yes. It was more than that. Someone who's taken God, yes, would need a special Siyat Bishmai. And therefore, Shaul felt anybody who has a Siyat Bishmai, obviously Hashem is looking after them. So that's the guy said, no, I want them for a son in order I wasn't just looking for you know, the biggest bodybuilder and the soldiers to go and dash up Gladius. It wasn't going to happen. And that was the one thing. And the question is, why would that be the why would that be the idea which would convince somebody to do it? You know, as if there was a Jewish soldier who was able to fight Gladius, so then why wouldn't well, why does he need this extra incentive of the king's money and the king's daughters to do it? As we're going to see later on. When David wanted to stand up, it has nothing to do with the promises he promised. He, he wants to find God, yes, because he feels it's an insult to Kali Yisrael, like we'll see. But nevertheless, we have to explain then also in context why Shaul felt that he needed to, uh, why, why he needed to incentivize. incentivize so much. The simple reason is because this was meant to be a replacement for Shaul. Remember, God just wanted to find Shaul himself. He said, Shaul, send me your king, and if not, let him find somebody else. So Shaul has to make it worth it for everyone's going to replace him. And therefore, he says, I'll give him my daughter, I'll give him my money. It's what, someone that's going to stand in my stead, let's give him my shleach. That's what Shaul felt more than to incentivize it. Not that it worked. Like we see at this stage, it wasn't enough. Uh, there was no takers for the, for the challenge.